There are still some topics that are taboo, maybe not spoken about as much or as often as maybe it should be. And if you're a female, one of those topics that will affect all of us is menopause. Ali Bray Daddo's book, Queen Menopause, is the best friend that will walk you through this experience. And Ali questions this time in every woman's life and what it might bring up for all of us. I'm Ali Hill and welcome to Stand Out Life, a podcast dedicated to living boldly amongst the busyness. And for this episode, exploring what boldness might mean through menopause. Alison Bray is a name and a face that you might remember from her days of modelling. In the 90s, she was best recognised as the cover model for Dolly Magazine. I remember having a couple of these magazines that she was on the cover of, and you might too. Ali began her career as a model at the age of 16 and worked in Australia, London and Tokyo. She was booked by brands such as Coca-Cola, Portman's, Jackie E and Brian Rochford, as well as magazines Cosmopolitan, Clio and Dolly. In 1992, in Clio, she was voted among the most influential women of the century by its readers. Ali Bray Daddo is a screenwriter, a producer, a podcaster and a teacher. She's currently writing several feature film scripts whilst continuing to teach and co-host a podcast called Separate Bathrooms via Nova Entertainment alongside her husband, Cameron Daddo. Queen Menopause is her debut book and we talk about who she wrote this book for, the importance of us sharing our stories and what it means to really dive into this time of transition and change. These conversations aren't just for women. Uh, We also talk about the importance and how relevant talking about menopause is for our partners and our spouses as well. This conversation is insightful and warm, so please enjoy the wisdom shared by Ali Bray Daddo. Ali, it's such a delight to be connecting with you. Thank you. Also, Ali. Yeah, very happy to be talking you. Ali squared, <laughs> Ali squared. Your book, now I know you've done a lot of writing, screenwriting and producing, but your book called Queen Menopause, which has just come out, is beautiful and such a powerful contribution to the conversation around this middle-aged time of our lives. One of the key phrases you have right at the start of the book is, menopause has got me thinking a lot about what my story is as a female. Can you tell me a little bit about your story? Yeah, well, it was it was unexpected that that was a byproduct of menopause and writing the book as well. I didn't start off thinking, well, I'm going to write about my story as a woman, but just as I kept going and I and as I talked more or wrote more about the benefits of menopause and going through all that. And I kept on linking it back to all these places in my life where I could see where the root of a lot of the issues that I was undoing now as a, as a, as a middle-aged woman, I was like, oh, this may be the reason why we have menopause. Because that was a real, that's what I really wanted to understand about menopause. I, I understood the physical and the science. But I also wanted to know what was the why, like what was the emotional reasons and the and even the spiritual reasons around menopause? Because I just don't think it happens for just laughs 
or tears. Hot flushes and <laughs> chin hair. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, come on now. Come on. Who created this menopause stuff? And there has to be a benefit in there somewhere, for God's sake. So, um, yeah, I just was like, okay, well, let me keep looking into this and seeing where this is leading me. And so my story is very much of third child of, you know, of three, um, one of three sisters, the youngest, divorced parents. And where did you grow up? Very, where did I grow up? I grew up uh, around Terry Hills, St. Ives in Sydney. You know, my childhood was very simple, didn't know, you know, didn't sort of do anything exciting. This was a public school gal. But I was very shy in a lot of ways as a kid. I was very quiet. I always knew from a very young age that I think, and this may have come from being a child of divorced parents, is you sort of, you do the right thing and everything's going to be okay. If you're nice, everything's everything's going to be okay. So I learned that early on that that was the way I got through that challenge as a young girl. And that just sort of stayed with me for, for forever. And also not, uh, along with the, the people pleasing, it was in the nice girl, it was so that along came with that was don't speak up, don't have a voice, just go along with the status quo, don't upset anyone. Because there was a lot of big emotions in my house from from my parents. So I just learned to be quiet. I learned to just get along and just not say anything. And uh, so that was kind of the root of a lot of, of a lot of that for me. And then as I became, once I became a model, there was, of course, what happened with that was, was I was, it was perfect because no one really wanted to have hear what I had an opinion on or what I thought about anything. As long as I went along and wore the clothes and, got the job done and smiled. I was fabulous. I was great. And I was actually quite well known as someone, you know, that was really easy to, to work with and easy to take on trips and stuff like that because I was not a complainer. I was never a squeaky wheel. And there were things that happened throughout my life that I just kept on looking back on going, I never spoke about that. I never spoke up about this. I never drew a boundary on that. And all those things that made an impact on me as a woman that I started undoing and unfolding in my 40s and 50s just sort of became really highlighted for me about where I had been placing myself as a woman, as a wife, as a mother. And, you know, that's where, again, I just have a lot of gratitude, whether or not menopause had everything to do with it or it's just aging and becoming wiser you know plus hours of therapy but (laughs) certainly all of that mixed together just led me in a direction that I was just so grateful that getting my voice back and finding what boundary even meant for me and not being afraid to say what I needed what I wanted what I liked what I didn't like so it's been a it's been a real full circle so interesting to, you know, be looking back on some of those qualities and you you are mostly known and I certainly remember you as the kind of that Dolly cover girl in that modelling 
career, but almost as you're describing it, it was celebrated that you didn't share your voice or didn't express too much or weren't too yeah. I say it in inverted commas difficult <laughs> in in terms of easy to just go along with things and I wonder if you know some of that was also of the time and the messages that young girls were you know that was a bit of what was kind of expected in terms of yeah. looking back whether it's kind of age the therapy was some of that looking back with curiosity was some of it with resentment, anger, like what was the sense in in kind of recognising that spaces and places maybe where I hadn't spoken up but now now here's a time to start to express my voice? Mm, that's a good question. I think it at first, it's really more it's, – it's been more curiosity than anything, I would say. You know, having done as much sort of – I sound like I've just – like in that case, but I have done a lot of therapy <laughs> and gratefully so. And I think there's been so much that I've worked through during therapy and, you know, moments and experiences that I've been able to, to explore. So specifically as I worked through the book and, and as I said, look back on my experiences, it really was more, sort of pulling the threads like a tapestry, seeing where they joined up and where this linked with that. And and so it was more like, yeah, like a tapestry or putting puzzle pieces together. It was it was more it was a curiosity, but it was also kind of fortifying in a lot of ways to just go, yeah, you're not going to do that again. Let's just you you were like that, you understand you were like that. It didn't serve you now, let's move you know, move on from there into places that really feel good and strong for you. One of the words you use in the book is actually with gusto. Right. I love that (laughs) sense of, you know, sharing your voice with gusto. If I go back a little bit on kind of your career, you've done really varied things, having moved to LA, done screenwriting, producing, as well as uh, a degree in early childhood. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, some of the other paths throughout, throughout the work that you have done? Yeah, so I once I moved to LA, I actually I moved out of the modeling world pretty quickly. It wasn't something that I wanted to pursue anymore once I hit Los Angeles. It was it was just not yeah, not an ideal situation over there for me to continue modeling. I mean, the first thing I became was everything I always wanted to become and that was a mum. So that was the greatest joy and still the greatest joy of my life. But during that time, and I mentioned this in the book, was just, again, this sort of story that I kept on hearing over and over again from people about pregnancy and birth being this horrific thing and it was awful and it changes your life for the worse and you'll never get your sleep back. And, and it was something I'd looked forward to for my entire life. So that was something that I really wanted to explore at the time as well. So I... I did um, I did a massage course and became a massage therapist and started working in um, pregnancy massage and baby massage and that led to sort of um, a girlfriend of mine and me we created like a a pre and post pregnancy program so we took couples from you know six weeks or six months before the baby was due and. We talked about their fears. She's actually a therapist, which is why I can 
say that. Have a um, lot of, yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, we worked through sort of so that so they could have a, a really sort of enlightened and open and more exciting and safer birth, you know, if that was the case. It wasn't often the case. Often we were there, you know, in the hospital while mum was having a cesarean, which was perfectly fine as well. But that was a really beautiful line of work. Um, and that's when I became a birth assistant as well. So I loved everything around the birthing experience, pre, post, assisting women with um, breastfeeding. Um, so that was really the first foray into sort of the workforce, I guess, for me. Um, I also did uh, with, uh, I had a friend who was a school teacher there who um, worked at a very low income school and she wanted to create a program around anti-bullying and kindness. Me and uh, three other women, we also created this program and we would go in once a week. We did it for three years, once a week. And we'd often bring food in because these kids were, you know, existing on crushed up cornflakes for the day and that was it. And so we'd go in and we'd do, we'd spend a couple of hours with the kids and talk about kindness and we'd do kindness exercises and that was really amazing. That was a volunteer sort of situation. And from there, I then got my early childhood degree and started assisting at a school. And then I was offered a full-time um, lead teacher role at another school to work with little, little ones, like three to four-year-olds, which is my, I just love the little kids. So, <laughs> yeah. And then look, I, at the screenwriting class I just did at UCLA um, at nighttime, I don't know what year that was, but that was just a lot of fun. That was, and that was really just, that was sort of a little bit of the beginning period of me going, what do I want to do? You know, how do I want to, because I would never, I would always, you know, I would love for my kids to do extracurricular activities, but I was never doing anything. And it was one of the first things that I went, I'm going to do this course for myself. That was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. Can you remember that. at the time, can you remember what was it about that that kind of sparked your interest? Yeah, well, I had, I mean, at all, I love storytelling and I love storytelling in all forms. So I love books. I love movies, TV shows, podcasts, uh, documentaries. I love documentaries. I love biographies and autobiographies. So, um and I just really wanted to learn the art of screenwriting. I wanted to, I, can't, I don't know why I thought of that more than writing a book. I'd always wanted to write a book, but I kind of thought, oh, no, book writing is too hard, <laughs> um, which it is hard. But I was like, screenwriting, how about screenwriting? So, um, and a girlfriend, another girlfriend of mine who she, ha she came up with this idea about a young girl at that time she'd been single for many many years and and had been on the dating apps and she just had the most some of the most hilarious experiences with these guys on the dating app and we were like let's write a series let's write a tv series about this so we wrote a series um i think we got to about 12 episodes or something called poly g and we got, we got as far as getting it in front of the people who produce Sex in the City. 
And so they were considering it. So we, we got pretty close there. So good. And then, yeah, and then we kind of just dropped it because she, she was taken off by other things. And But we filmed a little pilot for it and it ended up going on to a, an online sort of video thing. They were starting to produce it, but it all became sort of complicated and we dropped it. But that really spiked my love of writing, particularly in a collaborative sense. That's what I love about screenwriting is is collaborating on something. So, yeah, that was that was all of that. The commonalities of yeah, the story, the arc, the laughs, the the downs, the yeah, I can imagine that from a writing perspective, really being a bit of a buzz. Yeah, and just thinking where where do I want to take this character? Like I can I have the power to to make this character do anything. So what do I want to do with her or him? And I thought that was just really exciting. So, yeah. Do you still dabble in any of that at all? Yeah, Cam and I are are working on a couple of things. There's actually a children's film that we've got out from a book, actually, that we're we're currently writing. And then another one, um, it's sort of set in the 1970s in Australia about a Australian rock festival so we're seeing if we can get that one going as well (laughs) I love that at the time screenwriting felt like it was easier than writing a book now you have written a book yeah (laughs) who did you write this book for I really I mean I know it's been said that you know someone said to me you really wrote it for yourself and in a lot of ways I did um I wrote it, but more in the sense of I wrote it for people like me. I wrote it for women who were having the same experience as me or a similar experience who just kind of were looking around, feeling alone, just going, what the hell is this? What is happening to my mind, my body, my emotions? Why is no one told me about this why is no one explaining this why is people aren't shouting from the rooftops how challenging this is and also why are people not talking about the fact that oh there's actually some good things in there there's actually a post-menopausal excitement like no one's told me this either so I'm like how the hell did I get to this age and not know anything really about it and and it was weird because I all my almost all my girlfriends were older than me. As I said, I'm the youngest of three sisters. And I have all these women in my life, no one, nothing had been said. And then, you know, you go into the world of Google and holy crap, it's just like it's so depressing on Google about menopause. It's just really does not give you a good summation of what menopause is it just tells you like 50 million symptoms of how awful it's going to be and that was about it I was like no like no I'm not accepting this this can't be right so yeah I just really wanted I really wanted the book to just feel like if you and I were going to sit down and and I would tell you about my menopause now you tell me about yours and and let's chat that's just the feel that I wanted it to have and it very much has that, the, you know, the 
the dancing from thinking about your own story to what you're experiencing to the frustration to the journals to some of the letters that you write throughout the book as well as right at the end I'll come to in a moment around the you know even interviewing and having other women share their stories it's really beautifully woven throughout the book as you were as you were talking I you know it is so true it when I think about menopause, the stories that I've heard growing up have been all the bad things but kept quiet. We don't really kind of talk about yeah. it. And from even if I think of my my mum's kind of era, I almost go, how did they get through it? Whether it was secret women's <laughs> conversations that kind of happened yeah. or but there feels like there's a bit of a shift to the conversation and the narrative. Is that your kind of experience, having kind of dived into it, thinking about from a generational conversation piece? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's definitely generational. And I think now that we've tackled things like infertility, it's much more out in the open. We're talking about that. We're talking a lot more about domestic abuse. That's out in the open. So I think even the Me Too movement, like I think all of it has be, for, for women has just sort of shined a bit of a light on what else is there. <laughs> you know, what else is there? Um, and I think this is one of... It's, I don't know if it's the last thing, you know, of course there's been many other books written on menopause before mine and there'll be many more after and many more women have spoken about it before me as well. But I think this was something that it just has made, it can make such a huge impact on women's lives that isn't being addressed. And I know that it's, it's, it's become something much bigger in the UK. There's a real swirl around menopause there um, and, you know, bringing it into the corporate world and business world about how that needs to be implemented if women need to change their hours, work from home or have time off due to menopause, they should still get paid for that, you know, because a lot of people have to leave their work. A lot of women are dropping out of the workforce at that time because they just feel like they can't go on. So that's a real issue, you know. It's a loss of talent. It's a loss of opportunity, like, you know, in, in terms of what workplaces lose yeah. if that's that's not an option. So it's a really powerful and important conversation. One of the things that you highlight and talk about, and I think this is a really interesting almost juxtaposition from when you were talking before of growing up as almost like the nice girl who gets along with things is around kind of that anger and fury that can come up. There's a particular quote that you share in the book and I'm really sorry if this is kind of that, like I'm going to read the words back to you, but I think it was, it just really grabbed me, which is that as women, I encourage you to acknowledge your fury, give it language, share it in safe spaces of identification and in safe ways. Your fury is not something to be afraid of. It holds lifetimes of wisdom let it breathe and listen. What did you learn about anger and fury by, I guess, writing parts of this in the book? Yeah, I, I really learned to, I, I've really learned to love my anger because it has, it's righted wrong. And I think it, it writes wrongs. That's where, that's where I have learned the love of anger you know, the anger that I get triggered by and in myself and I'm angry about something that I really, you know, shouldn't be angry about, you know, then I've kind of got to look at those moments and go, oh, yeah, that's because I'm feeling, you know, like I was wrong or defensive or something like that. But 
the places that I should have been angry in my life and I wasn't because I sort of put that anger to sleep. And nice girls don't get angry, you know. We don't we don't get angry. And I really um you still see that so much with I mean it, it's everywhere that you see women in um politics or entertainment or um you know people don't like angry women an angry man seems to be okay but an angry woman you know they're labeled hysterical you know you crazy. just look at that what crazy what grace tame has gone through i I've, I've spoken about that before just watching her have to navigate the fact that people just didn't like she was angry and it's like if you look at what this girl or young woman rather she's a girl has been through she's got a lot to be angry about and they and the focus became about the fact that she wasn't smiling when she was in front of the prime minister i thought my goodness me like why are we doing this to this to this woman and not focusing on that she's a survivor and 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 an incredible advocate for sexual abuse so it just really, I was like, this is kind of the picture that we're looking at for women that, you know, just smile. Why aren't you smiling? You know, just be pretty and smile. You know, no one likes an angry woman. Well, you know, tough titties because there's a lot of angry women who are very smart <laughs> and have got a lot to say now and they're saying it, which I think is awesome. What messages about anger, and you might have kind of touched on this a little bit, but about kind of anger or fury would you share, whether it's with your own children or kind of that, that younger generation coming through? Yeah, look, I think it's I think it's just that. It's just to have have your pure hot anger, you know, and right a wrong. Like if you see something that that needs justice or that needs that there needs to be a voice put to it. There needs to be something that has to change, that you see something is wrong in the world and you know it's wrong. Apply your anger to that and own it, you know. And if other people have an issue with your anger, that's their issue. It's not, it's not yours because it's what – anger is what propels us to take the action, you know. So I think it's, an, it's such an important emotion, and when we hear it and see more of it, we can change that stereotype. We can yeah. start to have an impact on that, yeah, an angry woman is not okay, whereas actually if we can have expressions of that and start to see that a bit more and recognise that this is, this is something worthy of being angry about. Yeah, absolutely. One of the other things you talk about is intuition and creativity. In some ways, you know, hearing your story, there's elements of creativity throughout it. But you talk a little bit about, I guess, that creative urge, probably even being more heightened or highlighted through this period for you. How how have you found that creativity or expression shift for you? How's it shifting and changing? Well, I think that was where that's certainly where the seed of the book came from. Was just that feeling that creative need to write something down and get something out about this particular subject. And I'm, I'm still, it's certainly given me more juice to want to keep writing, whether 
in what direction I, I don't know, but, but I just, I just always found, and I don't know why it is, maybe there's a science to it, but, you know, whenever, when I would have, I think I sp- spoke about this in the book, when I would have my cycle, my period, the four or five days leading up to my period, I would always feel really intuitive and really creative. And it was every month I would note it. I was like, here it is. It's just this energy that would go through me. And I just, I knew things. I I could see through things in the sense of like what was going on. I knew where I needed to go. I knew what I could create. I knew what I could do. And I just found, and I guess it's it's a it's a hormonal thing because when, perimenopause sort of came a calling I sort of started feeling that constantly that there was this creative rush through my body that I just really wanted to exercise in a lot of ways so and learn new things that was the other thing I just want to keep learning and learning and my husband and I are learning um ballroom dancing right now (laughs) which is hilarious How's that going? Um, it's so fun. It is so fun. But yeah, going back to art class and going and doing, I just feel like there's so much more freedom and more interest and more excitement in in learning new things, particularly creative things. Maybe that's just me, but that was certainly what I felt a lot more of. And, and maybe it's a lot more of that permission to have, which was part of you know, learning that as well because I'd sort of subdued that part of myself for so long. I wonder whether it goes with that having a voice, that expression that, that doesn't need to be good or bad yeah. or indifferent. It's just that connection. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. You touch on, and we talked a bit before, when you Google menopause, you get all the you get all the bad side effects or the things that maybe scare you a little bit. But there are changes. There are changes to our bodies. There are changes things to like things like sexual drive. And actually, you write a letter to your libido, and it starts with "Please come back," <laughs> which I <Yeah>. loved. <laughs> How useful was it to, I guess, just give voice to and acknowledge some of these side effects which for a lot of women when we've been told about kind of beauty and needing being held up to a certain standard a lot of that is about how we look about how we feel and sexual drive can be a part of that how useful was it to acknowledge and give voice to this side of menopause look I mean I hope it's useful I mean it was certainly useful for me and you know some lovely feedback that I've been getting from the book it seems to be useful <laughs> to to some women out there because it's I it wasn't until I started writing it that I really could put a voice to everything that I was feeling, you know, uh, and even my my husband reading it, he's actually reading it right now. He'd never read it before, so he's halfway through the book. He just was like, I had no idea you were feeling the way you were feeling. So even during that whole time I was still I I thought I was expressing things but I was not expressing it the way I I did in the book because I was able to write it down and really strip back everything that was going on in my head and body and (laughs) everywhere else it was really important 
to me to just be as raw as I possibly could because I know for me, when I hear other people talk or write in that way, it always touches something inside of me and I go, oh, oh my God, that's it. That's how I was feeling. That's so true. That really helps me understand that I'm not crazy. So that's what I, I didn't, I, and it wasn't really an intention, but that's certainly the way I kind of hoped it would go. But, you know, whether or not it, it, it has, I'm, it still remains to be seen, but that's I'm so hoping fun. it went like that for some people. <laughs> I think that's the power of connection, right? And, and in sharing yeah. our stories is, is that ability to go, oh, I'm not, A, I'm not alone, but also someone else has found the language or the words to describe the, the just shit that I'm feeling or the, the, the piece of the puzzle that maybe I don't have the words for it. And I love that your husband's reading through it and getting a depth of understanding and almost picture you highlighting other pages and going, can you go back to page 25 and reread that again? I know. He's, he's so funny. He's away at the moment and he took the book away with him and he's not a, he's not a big reader. He's become much more of a reader now, but he was never a big reader at all. I always had like 20 books beside the bed and he would, he would just fall asleep, you know, drop the hat. And he sent me a photograph of himself in the hotel bed with the book, him reading the book. And he said, honey, I think you might have written this book for me. <laughs> and I was like, that's so cute. And I said, well, kind of. He goes, <laughs> I just feel like you're you're talking to me about how you're feeling. And I said, well, kind of, I guess, you know, it's certainly the way I was feeling. And so he's, he's getting his own insight into me that he didn't expect either, which is kind of cool. And almost in that, like there's a, there's a part of me that goes, gosh, if as women, we just started to write these things down and share them with our partners or the significant people in our lives that, because sometimes we don't have the words or the expression or the time, when I say time, but the, the time to really sit and sit and listen that, yeah, that connection can come those other, other ways as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I was just talking to one of the other teachers today at school and we were talking about the book and she just, she just sort of saying how, the challenges that she's had through menopause with her husband and how he just doesn't understand he doesn't get it. And she goes, and I don't know how to explain it to him where he would get an understanding of what's really going on inside. And that was something that I really had an intention for was for my hope is for men to read the book mm. uh, or, or partners of because you know, I, I can say something to unblue in the face to Cam, but if somebody else explains it to him, he'll go, oh, my God, oh, my God, da, da, da. now I understand. And I'm like, I've been saying that for years. And he goes, yeah, I know, but I heard it differently. Yep. So I kind of want, I kind of really, not I kind of, I actually really want the partners to read the book so it helps them and it helps the women so they've, they they can all be on the same page about how incredibly challenging it can be and it's not about them not liking sex anymore or wanting not not liking them anymore or but just what's going on internally and how 
there is a way through that time, that there is a way through that, that if they're together on the same page, they can actually get through it and, and sort of create an even deeper relationship. Because again, a lot of marriages fall apart during this time too, which uh, it's understandable. Yeah, and for those with families and kids, it can coincide with the empty nest and who is this yep. person and we've both changed and a lot of, conf- yeah, a lot of newness. So I think it's really powerful to invite that conversation to to our partners as well. So I can see that really kind of coming coming into play. So um, I'm going to keep this on my sleeve for the time that I need it. <laughs> yeah. Really, really powerful. What are some of the the myths of menopause? You write a, write a little bit about some of the myths. What were the ones that kind of surprised you or stood out to you as you were writing the book? Gosh. Well, I mean, some of the you know, some of the myths are that you will you will absolutely lose your libido. You will absolutely put on weight. You will, you know, it starts with the first thing that it starts with is, you know, having a hot flash. I mean, all of those things can be true for many women, but there's a lot of women that lose weight during menopause. A lot of women, their sex drive goes up because testosterone becomes the stronger hormone once the estrogen and progesterone drops. Yeah, I was like, it's, I mean, it's, it was very similar in a lot of ways to, you know, to puberty, to pregnancy, that everyone was going to have a different experience of, of menopause. And it doesn't necessarily all have to be, everything might, you know, have to be negative. Like they're, they're, uh, I think Rhonda Birchmore in the book, she had a fabulous time. She just, she literally just had the, yeah, I think my period just stopped. I might have had a one or two hot flashes and that was about it. And I'm like, that is the best story. I love that story so much. That's the story that other women need to hear as well after yeah. they've researched or looked at it or had the had their next door neighbor, you know, in bed for two years because she couldn't get out of bed from menopausal symptoms. It's like, oh, look, there's there's everyone has their own time with it. So, yeah. So that was sort of some of the myths I wanted to to bust. <laughs> to really kind of focus on, I love the last one too, is that the myth that menopause causes global warming. Turns out it doesn't. <laughs> you touched yeah, on. everyone needs to know that. <laughs> that's right. It's not, it's not our fault. Um, the, the power of stories, and as you touched on Rhonda Birchmore's story there, but you have invited other women to kind of share their stories. And it is similar to, you know, starting to have your period or even pregnancies or birth stories that are very unique and very, very different for, for a lot of women, for a lot of mothers. And, the, you know, I think sharing these stories, the whole the variety of stories is, is really, really powerful. Where has, I guess, the power of hearing other people share their stories been, whether it's a saving grace for you, whether it's around menopause or maybe in, in another area, that, that real power of kind of, of hearing stories of others' experience? Mm. Well, I think, I mean, I, I find it, I mean, always a story. Oh, I love a good story anyway, though I find women's stories in particular are 
incredibly powerful. I love stories of overcoming obstacles when women have been through a massive trauma and they're able to to take that trauma and create something really beautiful from it, whether it's a charity, whether it's a fundraiser, whether it's research and helping other people through their own trauma. I mean, obviously men do that as well and those kind of people are just my heroes. But I feel like, yeah, women sharing stories about their intimate experience is is something that I think we do really well. I don't, I think men probably do it a little less, I, but I think women are, are much more capable in the sense that we're allowed to do it probably a bit more than men. You know, boys are still under that you know, suck it up and chin up and, you know, you don't you don't share that sort of thing with your mates, but which I think they should and I think probably they're beginning to. But I find that, yeah, it's that sharing of the stories is just such a beautiful way to connect with people, whether you know them or not. Like if you relate to something, it's just an immediate, yeah, it's sort of like an immediate heart connection I find like uh, just people on Instagram who will write and say, oh my gosh, I read your book or I read something about menopause and this is what happened with, with my menopause. I'm just excited to hear from them as probably they are to hear from me or have read my book because I feel like, oh, here's another friend sharing their menopause experience with me. So I feel really honored that women are going to, perfect strangers will say, I'm having trouble with my husband. I don't know what to do. You know, like, I'm like, yeah, okay, let's talk about this. You know, not that I have any great results for you, but. Let's chat. But yeah, yeah, let's chat. I just really, I just really love that. I love that. I love that. I love the way that that's sort of just a really beautiful way to connect with people. And that permission for people to kind of share share their own voice and share their own story, which which has this perpetual kind of motion. What's exciting you about what's next in, I guess, the next phase, the next stage of life for you? Well, I've just had one child move out of home. So it's interesting already just to sort of feel there's that extra little bit of space and one less feeling of responsibility that sort of like, okay, I don't, I'm not, I've just got two at home now, but, and one of them is, you know, off, off and away a lot, you know, out spending time at his boyfriend's house. So there's just sort of been this opening more of time that I'm, I'm experiencing now. And it's sort of funny I keep on sort of talking myself through it as well because I kind of have this this space and I keep thinking that I've, I've got to do something. Oh, I've got to make sure I've got this or that's got to happen. Or I've got to pick this up. And it's like, you know, actually you don't. You can just relax and learn how to relax more. Because I think that's something I need to do is learn how to <laughs> relax more, that there isn't always something to do for somebody else. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about just traveling a little bit more now that my kids are older, that I'm not 
you know, just with Cam, just me and Cam going away on holidays, which, oh my gosh, we did haven't done that in 28 years, been on a holiday, just the two of us. So I'm very excited for that. Um, that's going to be really cool. Even if it's just to the Blue Mountains, like <laughs> just somewhere. So yeah, that will, that will be happening soon exciting kind of opportunities and and now that the world's starting to open up we're even travel and planning and ideas and feeling like we're there they're not going to have to change but yeah that possibility and really hearing about kind of breathing into the space that's yeah that's really exciting as well I've loved our conversation the the name of this podcast is called standout life when you hear that term what does it mean to you to live a standout life I think it's to me it's integrity and truth and yeah it's just it feels very heart driven to me like I just see someone standing heart full present with integrity and honesty that's what I think of for having a standout life. I'll sign up to that. Ellie thank you for sharing <laughs> your heart thank you for sharing your story and putting this book out into the world. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for talking to me. If you've enjoyed today's episode, then there's every chance that you might also enjoy reading a copy of my book called Stand Out, a real world guide to get clear, find purpose and become the boss of busy. You can grab a copy by heading to my website, www.alisonhill.com.au. If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd love it if you could take a few moments, pop over to iTunes and give this podcast a quick rating so that we can continue to share these conversations with people around the world. As always, I'm Ali Hill and this is Standout Life.